accessing agent files. Brian Sovereign. Early 21st Century Anarchist. Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check. By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government. Helping usher in an incredible time. Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now here's Brian. Oh, yes. Putting the illest in nihilist. The golden stallion here with you, Brian Sovereign. How do you like that one? I got the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy here with me. I love it. You've got me so excited. It's it's about 2 a.m. How excited? I'm chowing down on an egg. Oh, okay. <laughs> I nearly spit out the, that egg. <laughs> you know, I like that, that little line. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the few people with the, the temerity to call themselves a nihilist. So, dictionary definition, it fits. Well, I, I think that could be misleading to some people, right? Sure. Because some people think of nihilism as, you know, basically, yeah, fuck we can kill people it doesn't matter and there's no there's no morality nothing's right or wrong yeah, it doesn't see, exist right but you know this is a funny thing and I, I don't know if i want to get into this topic right now but the world does seem to be completely upside down because I'll agree with you there okay because you know what a good act is a good act is going to some far-off country when you live in the united states and killing a bunch of brown people good according to who well right exactly it's always definitions you know it really is and it's always names but by and large i've found that what people consider evil to actually be good you know in in at least in the in the culture of the united states i I found that to be so they've got a lot of things backwards as you noted no they really do they really do or you know it all falls under justifications right and What's in a name anyway? But, you know, speaking of a name, I want to get into the rapid fire stories. Let's do it. Yeah. And uh, this one's kind of kind of funny, kind of interesting. There's... Wait, do we have a rapid fire story about how the last show that we did together got 30,000 downloads? No, I talked about that in the last episode. Oh, I still don't I know how that happened. So I'm going to see if I can recreate that magic. Let's and... <laughs> Yeah, let's do that together. <laughs> so, I'm up for it. But, uh, but speaking of changing names, there's been a petition. It's been around for a little while to change the name of a planet. Now, it's not in the case of uh, Pluto, where they want to they just eliminate demoted a planet. It. Yeah, yeah, they demoted <laughs> it. They made it a minor planet or whatever. Uh, but in this case, they want to change the name of one. And you know what? I'll Before I tell you which one it is, and I'm sure everybody already knows, I support this. Ooh. With, I, I fully support That's changing the name twist. of this planet. And it's Uranus. <laughs> It is about damn time. I didn't see that coming, You're but right. yeah, you got it. I yeah. agree with you, too. I, I want that changed, because really, you can't have a serious conversation about the solar system ever without somebody coming up with a goddamn joke saying, <laughs> oh, about Uranus? It's in Uranus. And it's like, you know, I get it. Okay, it's you funny. You see the rings around Uranus? Yeah, it's like, it's funny, okay, but it's been funny since fourth grade, and that's enough, okay? <laughs> So what what is the suggestion to change it to? Uh, just various uh, you know names of other minor Greek deities or Roman deities. Uh, there is a few getting tossed around, 
but uh, please, yes, let's change it. In fact, hell, name it Cupid. I don't care. You know, that's not a bad name. What does it do to astrology? I had a brief phase of my life. This is my, like, dirty confession, confession. here. <laughs> I had a brief phase of my life when I was, you know, you know when you're kind of coming off of religion, it's almost like a drug. You kind of transition away softly yeah, sometimes. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little much to like give it away. Just like right. a lot of people when they're coming out of statism, they go to minarchism and right. then they become full anarchist. Well, atheism's kind of like that too. And I had a brief period of my life where I was interested in astrology, which is, you know, there's no you heard it here first, conceivable folks. way that like the positions, the planets can affect your day or your at your birth. It affects your personality or whatever. No, sorry, but <laughs> but there used to be like debates in the astrology world about, well, what should we classify Chiron at, or Chiron? I don't know how you pronounce it as it's it's like the biggest asteroid yeah. as a planet. Does that affect well, your personality? Well, is too? actually the biggest asteroid. Oh, well, in maybe that information belt, is dated. This That's was okay. quite a while. This is probably 20 years ago. Go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, do, do we classify this as a planet? Does Pluto, How much does Pluto really affect things? Like uh, what happens when, you know, like there was all this debate. What happens when this planet shifts? Like, so if you rename a planet, if you rename Uranus, <laughs> do, is there some kind of seismic shift in astrology where suddenly things change? Well, theoretically, uh, uh, astrology has been around long before those planets were so named, so I, I would assume not. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's it's all ridiculous, but it is equally ridiculous. Really, it is time to change the name of that planet. And whoever came up with the idea of calling the anus the anus is really the one that's in trouble. You know, they're the <laughs> well, one that's in that fault. Isn't a Greek word? It's like it means ring. Like ani means ring. Well, they should have chosen something else. <laughs> I mean, come on, like they, they were all right. Well, granted, maybe it's not their fault because I don't think Uranus or Uranus and that, that's that's even worse. It's like people say Uranus and then everybody just knows. It's yeah, like, that doesn't yeah, make it better. You're fucking kidding. That just draws attention. Y- to yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> and, and then it kind of also sounds like urine. Right. But but Uranus wasn't discovered until <laughs> until like the 18th century. So oh, uh, you can't blame the guy that came up discovered. with the anus. The anus yeah, right. <laughs> There is anuses were getting explored before Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh uh, we could have equally, a lot of fun with this. We really could. Uh, you know, right now I'm drinking. I'm drinking. This is amazing. Okay, this is because it's late at night. Like you said, I have high a high calf tea from the Republic of Tea. And this is not. They're not paying me to say this. Okay, but can we uh, get a passport from the Republic of Tea? I know. Can we, like, I'd, give I'd up like our that. U.S. citizenship. Yeah, from the minister, minister <laughs> of. Uh, Ministry of, of Supplies tea or Tea Leaves, whatever. Anyway, it's Toasted Coconut Black. And this has, now coffee, your regular black tea, kind of like your Earl Grey or your English breakfast or Irish breakfast tea, uh, comes uh, has 50 milligrams of caffeine in it, okay? About half the what coffee has. Coffee has 100 milligrams. This has, per cup, 140 milligrams of caffeine. Ooh. This thing rocks. It says it gives you what they call a calm alertness. They call it tea mind. I like uh, that. That sounds like bullshit. But uh, however, hey, it does have a lot more caffeine than it usual. It has a ton of caffeine. In so that is the coconut like significant somehow? Like why is it coconut? I, I don't know. Maybe it was the only way coconut was the only flavor strong enough to, to hide up all that caffeine. <laughs> yeah, to hide all that crap. Because there's other high calf teas, but this is the only one that does 140. You know, this is all the way. I, I went to the highest. I, I called up the, the, the minister of, uh, of supplies 
at at the Republic of Tea, you know, because you, you, at the Republic of Tea, you don't call the president. You you, you get the guy that ships the stuff, okay? And he said, Golden Stallion, if you want the buzz, you gotta you gotta get the the coconut black. And he says it's perfect. He says it's triple black. It, it's it's all you. So <laughs> nothing but the best. That's for you, right. Brian. So so you can go to republicofteacom get the toasted coconut black high calf teas. It's black. It's it's anarchist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so speaking of a little more ridiculousness, Microsoft, they have been in development or did develop a smart bra. No way. Yeah, smart bra. What does it do? Measure your heart rate? Uh, actually, yeah, that's exactly what it does. Mm, it is that's designed. The only thing I could picture it yeah, doing. Yeah, it was designed to alert you. You know, kind of like uh, what, what would that be? An echocardiogram. Um, there are heart rate heart rate monitoring strips, but yeah, yeah or EKG, electrocardiogram. Yeah, yeah, EKG measures the electric uh, field of your heart. It can tell you what the rhythm is. Right, and stuff. right. So the idea was it was supposed to kind of detect your mood, and because what the report essentially said is that. If if women or really anyone, they're going to design something for guys too, um, but women first. The bro, yeah, <laughs> the smart bro, uh, right? But but Microsoft was designing it so that if you were feeling high stressed, they would send an alert to your phone saying that, "Hey, you're in high stress mode." Because that's not going to stress you out anymore. Well, but it's to, to be keep, getting alerts on your phone. Hey, uh, yeah, get right. your stress level down right, <laughs> right. now, Mister. But it was it was to keep you from binge eating. When you're when you're emotionally distressed and because apparently there was a report that said if you if you just get reminded, hey, look, you're eating because of your, you know, your emotional state, people wouldn't eat. And so, you know, but is their stress going to go down? I don't I kind of doubt it. Like, no, no, it wouldn't help with the stress at all, but mm, it would just keep you from binging. Why doesn't it send you a yoga class or something? I might tell you to do that too. Google now would. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's that's for sure yeah so i i oh, thought it was kind of crazy yes yeah, i'm disappointed bra. i was totally thinking like it would inflate and deflate your tits when there was like an appropriate situation for it i love you <laughs> i love that, you too that, that is awesome <laughs> I, I need that kind of a smart bra i will get I, into, although i don't think i need mine inflated much I, <laughs> look i i have Sachin nadella on twitter and i'm going to talk to him about that because noted th- these these things need to happen hear that sasha <laughs> Come on, man! You're the golden boy now. You're you, maybe Steve we could have Ballmer's like a remote gone. control, like you know those panties that like you can control from across the room that vibrate. Oh man! Now wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Yeah, you said those are not cool. What? When did I? Okay, I think past. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, you said those are not cool. Well, did I say with me or with anyone? Because some people might like them. Uh, I th- I thought that was it was kind of a you were talking maybe in the I was abstract. afraid that Google would um, get in your panties and control well, them. Well, if you're into like that, Nest, they'd be y- part of Nest. Oh boy! Wow, <laughs> talk about taking over the world. No, <laughs> well, it's Google not that would, far off. But let me tell you, Google would not do this, and our main story is going to prove that fact. But just a couple more stories. We've got um, Twitter now supports animated gifs. That's handy. There I is, think do that's you think great. that came from Google Plus? Yeah, because yeah. that's one of the reasons Google Plus is so popular, I think, because people can put up anim- animated GIFs. Yeah. And Facebook sucks because you have to go to Imgur. Mm. Or, is that how you say that? You have to go to Imgur to Imgur, whatever, to be able to, to see the animated GIF, but you got to click a link. And it's like, no, I don't want a link. I, I'm right here. You're supposed to show me right here. I'm not going to click this link. What percentage of Twitter links do you think are like malware, spam, or 
shit. Oh, I, it's <laughs> got to say bit.ly or goo.gl. And uh, if it doesn't, I'm not clicking. You yeah. know, I mean, that, like those are the only two ways I'm, I'm really going to do think it. People must get offended because they tweet links at me and I don't respond or click on them. And it's like, dude, if you send me a link, like. You think I'm just going to click on it? Yeah, I mean, if you are, I mean, that's one of the standards. Yeah, (laughs) one of the nice things about having Chromebooks is that you can do that. You can go, you can relatively safely click because JavaScript's just not going to hurt you. So you can pretty safely click on something, and if it looks fishy, and if like you have the Web of Trust, the Watt extension on that 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 usually can get you by with that sort of thing but anyway but the gif won't just automatically play uh, you have to click on it to make it move but there's like a little notification that it works and i just i think this is great because it gets people away from uh you know more away from google plus because this is really helping google plus uh, yeah. because you know, it might be just a quick thing and and people don't want to click on videos or at least you know i don't mind clicking on videos but as far as i can tell anytime in the past years that i've shared a video nobody ever watches it like yeah. ever it's an investment yeah you know? unless yeah. it's like unless you specifically say like watch this 10 second video and you will be really happy that you did right and you give someone a reason to do it it's a it's a tough sell right so also amazon did announce on the 18th that they they have a phone now they didn't announce any other devices i was really expecting more but they do have a phone it's called the fire that's it just fire kind of like the kindle fire or fire tv this is just this is the this is the centerpiece of amazon's world the fire uh coming from of course lab 126 which is kind of their skunk works that's like their their secret labs it's like their google x these guys are serious lab 126 i'm scared to death what's coming out of that so, but anyway, it has some pretty good specs. I mean, it matches up with pretty much the highest end of anything. On contract, it's only coming out for AT&T, uh, $200, okay, uh, it will sell for if you're on contract. If off contract, you can buy an unlocked one for, because there's a 32 gig model and a 64 gig model. The 32 gig model, I think, sells for 700 and then the 64 gig is like 750 something like that. And the specs really aren't that important. There's two main things about this, though, and this we're going to get more into this in HackSec. Um, but it has the, it has kind of a kind of a 3D. I don't totally understand how the 3D works, but it has four cameras on the front. Okay, and these are really great cameras. In fact, these cameras can see what's going on in pitch black dark. Okay, how do they do that? Uh, kind of like like a infrared, you know, sort of um, just like night vision would work on night night vision goggles Mm. same principle so and because this 3d screen is supposed to follow your face it's 700 dollars, and they got funding from the nsa to make this phone they might (laughs) have because (laughs) yeah they really may have because there's this uh, feature on it called firefly okay so the cameras are there supposedly to track your facial movements and and your and your movements overall because this is going to be a highly uh uh you know you wave your hands in front of it it'll do one thing you, you know it has a it, gestures who doesn't want that I was looking for the Sarcasm. word gestures okay yeah yeah and and no there's there's no point to that uh at all you know i think the the point like i think bill gates is right when he says that the future is going to the future of technology of input with technology is going to be handwriting is going to be like with a pen huh and i i think that's accurate because you know there's parts of the world where look hand handwriting is is necessary like it's just but who carries big, around a pen oh lot lots of these phablets have them the note three uh can't the, you just the, use your finger tagra seven sure but like or if you dick. want yeah but if you want to write a quick note <laughs> it's it's With a your lot dick? 
Well, not with your dick. You got <laughs> sorry. I just sorry. Jeez. I'm interrupting. Late you. night. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's easy. It's faster to write something down than it is to type it. On, it, on a on a touchpad, is it really on, on a phone on a on a this, on, yeah, even on a large phone? I guess that's typing true. it out with your thumbs, you're all thumbs. Yeah. Okay. Handwriting, it's a lot easier, that's and there's a lot more that you can do. A dick. lot better control. Right. Yeah. Sure. Write it with your dick. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, the Fire has this feature called Firefly, but here's the thing: this Firefly can it's seemingly going to be always on because it can help you when you go to Walmart or whatever other store and you hold it up in front of the product and it instantly recognizes the product and shows you it on Amazon to see if you can get it for a cheaper price. Wow. Okay. And you can order it, but that's not all it does. It can scan QR codes. It can scan telephone numbers. It can scan license plates. It can, it can recognize everything. And I think the reason that this actually, there's not a 16 gig model. It's specifically 32 gig and 64 gig. And the reason I think is for that. Now there's not a micro SD card. So you want to have a lot of memory on it for apps and everything, of course. Mm -hmm. But I think that this ability to do all this to, for Firefly to work, to detect everything on planet earth and know what it is, facial recognition, the whole thing requires a, a pretty decently sized database on the uh. device itself to be able to do it. Yeah. Nobody's talking about it. this is a privacy fucking nightmare yeah that's going on because it freaks me out just it it sounds like it's not just like you know these google phones that you say okay google and it's like always listening this takes it one step further not only is it always listening but it's always watching yeah always watching and always identifying it's like and it can even watch in pitch black that's really frightening because yeah those those forward cameras so really this this technology is pretty scary uh, I'm just picturing this phone, you know, sitting by someone's bedside. This is a Brian Sovereign. This is Brian Sovereign's dick in the dark. <laughs> you know? That camera ain't... N- never mind. I'm not going to say it's that. It's not going near you. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to talk oh, about... Oh, it's con- a bit too big to fit on the screen. I, 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 hey, hey. I didn't say anything. I didn't say shit. All right. So, moving on. <laughs> uh, b- bottom line is the fire... It's a fine looking phone. You know, it, it just shows more of Amazon's plan to literally take over the world. I think all these tech companies kind of are uh, and not in a good way. And to prove my point that these tech companies want to take over the world, uh, well, there will always be politicians. Look, politicians really don't run the world. It's society. It's it's norms. It's mores that I think really control everything. Laws mean jack shit. Okay, but mores, societally enforced ideas, those hold all the power on planet Earth. Hmm. Okay, in my opinion. And Google, uh, apparently, this is from Breitbart, okay? Uh, Google is, the title of the the story is Google out of porn biz. When were they in it? Well, they allowed for porn ads, Ah. You know, with ad words and everything. And so apparently uh, anti-porn activists are claiming victory Friday with the announcement. This is from like June 4th uh, or June 6th with the announcement by Google that it will no longer accept advertising for explicit sexual material. In a message reportedly sent to AdWord clients in violation of the new anti-porn policy, Google wrote, beginning in the coming weeks, we'll no longer accept ads that promote graphic depictions of sexual acts, including but not limited to hardcore pornography, 
Graphic sexual acts, including sex acts such as masturbation, genital, anal, and oral sexual activity. When we make this change, Google will disapprove all ads and sites that are identified as being in violation of our revised policy. Our system identified your account as potentially affected by this policy change. We ask that you make any necessary changes to your ads and sites to comply so that your campaigns can continue to run. The announcement came just two weeks after a delegation of anti-porn activists met with uh, Google executives at their offices in Washington, D.C. The uh, so Google executives have have an office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I want to bring this up. Uh, we were just at the D.C. We were at the Bitcoin in the Beltway. Yes. And we had a dinner with somebody. And this person said that Google has a lobby. In Washington. Now, so clear here, here's the, here's the truth. There is an office in Washington, D.C. for Google, according to Breitbart, but they are trying to destroy Bitcoin. Their entire point is to lobby against Bitcoin. That's exactly what this person said. You were there at the dinner. I was there at the dinner. Yeah, oh, and that's this is what was stated. Now, I heard a counter thing saying they're not registered to do that. But so what? Yeah, since when do you have to be registered to be a lobbyist? It seems yeah, like, like you can like really. Can do you just it. have to sit in a chair in front and of a have room money and have yeah and, and connections have, exactly. But you know that I I always said this from the beginning, like when the Bitcoin Foundation was hiring lobbyists to go to Washington and try to do, educate the politicians about Bitcoin. Yeah, jeez, they're up against the most powerful lobbying organization in in the world, which is right. the, you know, the banks, they're not going to be pro Bitcoin. No, right, right. So they're going to send one, the Bitcoin foundation is going to send one lobbyist and think that that's going to make things better. Right. So, but it proves my point where I said, look, you think Apple's banning Bitcoin. If you think Google's not interested in doing that, you're nuts. That's exactly what I said on the show months ago. Uh, you know, I seem to call things pretty well. And then I find out there is actually a lobbying group. And this is coming from a guy who's pretty well connected a lobbying group out there to destroy Bitcoin. So guess what? Google doesn't give a shit about you. Stop shooting your iPhones. Go to FIVA. Use a FIVA wallet. Or, you know, Apple's pretty much <laughs> yes. opening things up anyway. But use a FIVA wallet anyway. Those guys are great. Um, okay, so the organization called Porn Harms, a part of morality and media. Boy, that sounds ominous. Seriously? Yeah, morality and media. This sounds so weird. Like, why would Google reverse this all of a sudden? It's just pressure? Uh, yeah, and I guess the, they had you no know, problem also, taking the money before. Right now, this group, Morality and Media or Porn Harms, had named Google to its dirty dozen list of companies helpful to the porn industry. Specifically, the group complained to Google about oh, porn. No. Yeah, about porn on Google Play, porn on Google-owned YouTube, and also porn on Google Ads. In addition, early last month, this would be May, Google announced it removed all pornographic apps and most sexual apps from Google Play. According to Dawn Hawkins of Porn Harms, Google has improved its safe search and safety mode and has created a tool for parents in Google Safety Center. Look, if this isn't trying to control society... I don't what know what is. is. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, what do you, how do you feel about this? Porn harms. That sounds like a Christian group. I mean, Apple already did all this. I was just about to say, are yeah. they turning into Apple? Now are they sure. going to be banning farting apps too? Is it going to be farting harms next? Yeah, right. I yeah. mean, can we have it? Can we have a little fun here? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Yeah. But I mean, what business is it? You know, this is the thing. This it, is why it seems like there's a so social crackdown on porn recently and you know i'm i'm not really big on porn myself even i just notice it it's like the department of justice is pressuring these banks to deny banking services to porn stars you know it's operation choke point google's removing porn apps apple banned porn apps long ago you know it's just this 
this crusade to quote clean up society is just going to backfire because it's going to drive all that stuff underground yeah this is prohibition in the tech world and but, you think people aren't going to still look for porn you think this is going to stop anyone well, from just jerking around off it. and looking at porn yeah no they'll, way. Just, they'll work around it but this is so funny because people went to google because google pretty much didn't take a stance on anything they just said here here's our technology do what you want that's changing now and they're becoming just as controlling as any other company ever has Okay, including Apple. Mm -hmm. So they got huge to the point where they have a huge influence, and then they started clamping down on. Yeah, stuff. now suddenly, oh, now we can we can gear things. Now we can. I mean, and please, you know, people, you got to understand. I I quote this all the time, but it's very important. Declan McCullough told me personally in a conversation. He said, "Larry Page is not a libertarian. That guy has a vision for the world, and I don't know what the hell it is, but don't trust these guys." Don't don't try. This is none of their business. Mm. And I'll tell you, if a bunch, you know, this is a golden opportunity for Firefox OS and Ubuntu OS. OK, to say, hey, porn companies, come on down, you know, come over here we'll, and you do whatever the hell you want. OK, and uh, and let it ride. And then, you know, and that's great. Porn has pushed so many different, uh, you know, different platforms forward, technological and otherwise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. What's that documentary we watched about that? Oh, boy, I don't remember. It was How Sex Changed the World. Yeah, How Sex Changed the World talked a lot about it. So this is ridiculous for, you know, shame on Google for shaming everybody else. Seriously. We'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. We're on the brink of a global finance paradigm shift. And at the core of this movement, Bitcoin. But many early adopters need a safe, stable, and secure method of storing Bitcoin that doesn't require an electronic device. Enter CryptoCards, the world's first BIP38 passphrase encrypted laser-edged aluminum offline wallets. CryptoCards are the same size as a credit card, only they're scratch-resistant, waterproof, and flame-resistant up to 600 degrees. Unlike paper wallets, they won't ever rip, fade, or crumple, and the high-density aluminum is rated to last 75 years. Your coins will be secure for as long as you need. Having Bitcoin physically allows you to store them in a secure location instead of on a networked computer. This is key. Your funds will be impervious to hacks and the negligence of third parties. It's a truly trustless system. You hold the keys, you hold the funds. For more info, visit CryptoCards.co. We ship worldwide and using the code FTL, you'll save 10%. We're proud to be part of a liberty-oriented movement and the future is looking bright. Hello, Mr. Sovereign. Brian Sovereign. And yours? Natalia, care to play a game of roulette? I'd love to. Number and color? 69. Black. As you wish. Tech Roulette. It is time for Tech Roulette, where I cover stories that get sent in to me through the various channels available. And there are plenty of channels available, even though I am anti-Facebook uh, and whatever else. But, I mean, you can get in touch with me through RetroShare, BitMessage. Uh, I can't wait to try that. I'm kind of waiting till after Porkfest. Yeah, I know. Is, we, we've had such a busy schedule. We're doing schedule. this show on Porkfest Eve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... um. You know, it's it's really there's just tons of ways to get in touch with the show. I'm even on Twister, which that's uh, that's like that's a decentralized, decentralized open source Twitter. Twitter. 
And it, it's it's really something. I like that a lot. Uh, and, and so you had someone it, just randomly email you a Amazon gift card the other day. Th- that this was is so true. Cool. Thank you so much. An eighty dollar gift card. That's really nice. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, believe me. Do that, you want to tell them what you that got? That helps. Uh, yeah, I, I bought a new pair of Vibrams. Um, you know, a new pair of KSOs. And they the five look fingers. great. Yeah, they look great. Work great. They've really improved the model on them. Uh, I yes, I still believe Vibrams work. I, they make my feet feel better. Uh, I have toes for a reason. And that's really all that should need to be said about that, is that if I had one big toe, then I would think that other shoes would make sense. Um, but no, I have five of them on each foot. Uh, some people have six. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, so thank you so much, listeners. I really, and believe me, I needed those. My my five fingers that I had were, uh, were really wearing out uh, big time. I'd had them for about three years. So the, these things last, they're worth the money. Um, anyway, Stephanie, how do you, you know, really, why don't you tell me, how do you feel about porn? We're, we're going to keep on this topic to some degree. Uh, I mean, what, what, what's your opinion? How do I feel porn? about porn? Yeah. Um, I mean, are you kind of the person oh, where what a huge topic? Yeah. yeah are, are narrow you kind it down of the, a little. I will. Are you kind of, are you the kind of person who's like, yeah, I don't really need it, but I don't mind that it exists. Would you fit under that category? Um, yeah, that mostly describes me. I, I prefer to explore sexual fantasies in my own mind. I think that's more fun because I can oh, control yeah. the characters and I can do anything I want. Oh, with yeah. It. You know, I've said that a million times that porn, there is no porn out there that can match what my mind comes up with. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's sexy some, beyond sexy. Sometimes like a good erotic story really gets me going. Yep. I love yeah, it. Yeah, the written word, nothing can top that either. But so. I have to say, if I watch visual porn i really mostly just stick with the stuff that's made for lesbians by women you know like right. i totally stay away from uh the straight male oriented kind of porn which is most of the porn out there yeah uh because i just don't it doesn't do it for me yeah no i, I absolutely i can understand that so okay so we're pretty much on the same page about all of it i i mean certainly there's some porn I out maybe there watch it once every six months right i would say it's very rare yeah yeah no i i, I hear you i can't even really remember the last time i watched yeah. porn on my own anyway mm-hmm. um but you know it's another medium i think that really works well for porn like the written word or our own mind is something where the imagination really can run wild and that's in video games now i i talk quite a bit about you know i asked some game developers what exactly would a you know a, a porn video game look like? And they couldn't really come up with anything. And then I think that kind of proves the point because this week's uh, Tech Roulette is about here's the title of stories from Kotaku: the real problem with sex workers in video games. Mm. Yeah, so this Sounds is pretty interesting. interesting. So I'm going to read uh, read a bit here. When and then game of choice, people wait up for that because this that's going to be some some interesting stuff. Um, when you're playing a game as infectiously compelling as Grand Theft Auto V, which I just found out will be coming out at E3, they said it will be coming out for PC. I'll be on that. Um, it can be difficult to take a step back and reflect on all the wanton acts of destruction in which you've participated. This can be weird in its own right. Now, Grand Theft Auto V, it's an open box or an open uh, sandbox game where pretty much you can go around and do anything you want there's like a story you can play through but you're just driving around in the streets or flying around or whatever you could have a samurai sword or flamethrower you, you know you kind of take your pick and you just you could go on a mass killing spree or you could just drive and do whatever um anyway 
This can be weird in its own right, considering how much of a time sink open world games can be. But when it comes to a game like Grand Theft Auto that helped popularize soliciting and brutalizing prostitutes for fun, players and developers continued reliance on sexualized gameplay tropes can have disturbing implications both on screen and off. Now, this is interesting because in Grand, this they're talking about Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. Okay. Now you've probably, I mean, you don't really. I've heard play about it. You've no, heard I don't believe it. I don't yeah, play that's video right. Games. But I remember in Grand Theft Auto Three, you could get have a hooker come in your car, and you would actually get life, like life points, mm-hmm. while the car was bouncing. Mm-hmm. You know, and anyway, well, it, who doesn't get life? Then? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it certainly uh, it it, en- it enhances my life force. Um, anyway, the <laughs> well, according to that guy on YouTube, you're giving up your life force when you that's, spill your seed. Such nonsense. That <laughs> we all were comes... watching a tantric sex video earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, It was yeah, just this yeah. guy talking about it on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, Mantak but... Chai, his, his name is. Montauk. Montauk Chai. Uh, something, yeah. Yeah, and there's other people that, uh, Dave Asprey from Bulletproof Executive, he pulls this stuff that should o- you should only come every 30 days. And it's like, come on. You know, actually, I found this is interesting. In the world, you can you can really split the world into three camps. And they're all camps of Chinese philosophy. Okay. Really? Tell yeah, me about and that. You can you can fall under Sun Tzu, Lao Tzu, or Mo Tzu. Okay. And Lao Tzu is a lot of people that's Taoism, a lot of people consider him pretty libertarian, but that's where a lot of the, actually the most wacky ideas come from. Hmm. Sun Tzu is big on domination, of course, the art of war. And then there's Mo Tzu, who we know very little about, uh, but his his seems to my mind to be the most peaceful route out there. In fact, he actively this guy was a brilliant war mind, uh, you know, war, uh, not war engineer, but a general, I guess I would say. Uh-huh. Uh, but he actually would actively he would walk for days and days and days, whatever it took to get to, to some other uh, province in China to keep war from happening. He refused to have war go on and he did everything he could to stop it. Uh, but nobody knows about that that guy. You know, he's he's a unique I didn't character. know about him. <laughs> yeah. So I think you can split the world up into three things. But Mosu is very pro sex. Ah, cool. Okay. As to where Sun Tzu, not so That's much. That's why you like him. And La- yeah, absolutely. So, See, when you said three camps of philosophy, I was going to say the Ernie Hancock school of philosophy. <laughs> there are those who want to be left alone and those who just won't leave them alone. <laughs> but then where's the third one? I missed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> those who think they're left alone and they're not. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, sorry, we, we got off on a total tangent here. Um but in the latest episode, we're talking about sex workers and video games, in particular Grand Theft Auto. In the latest episode of her YouTube video series, Tropes vs. Women, uh, critic Anita Sarkeesian examines how female characters are often consigned to the background of popular video games. As with all of Sarkeesian's work in the Feminist Frequency series, this is required watching for any gamers with a strong interest in the big-budget games she digs into uh, here, like Grand Theft Auto, Day X, or Deuce X, Day X, right? Uh, Assassin's Creed, Red Dead Redemption, and the Saints Row series. This isn't just a matter of women being relegated to supporting roles in popular big-budget games, however. More often than not, the female subjects that fill out the background of the world in a game like Day X Human Revolution or Red Dead Redemption aren't subjects at all. Rather, they're built as virtual playthings to serve the every need of the male protagonist and punished violently and brutally if they ever fail to do so. And while these are technically mm. optional behaviors players don't have to indulge in, Sarkeesian argues that it's not a simple matter of allowing players who are offended by the material to opt out of it in a manner of speaking. 
The player cannot help but treat these female bodies as things to be acted upon, Sarkeesian says at one point in the video, because they were designed, constructed, and placed in the environment for that singular purpose. Oh, as as you're reading this, I mean, uh, I know men in real life who think of women that way as oh, just, sure. just objects to be used. And, yeah. And, you know, to, to they exist to satisfy their own the men's sexual desires. You know? Absolutely. And they didn't learn that from video games, because actually one of the, the very first video game I can remember that actually showed a stripper. OK, was uh, Duke Nukem 3D mm-hmm. and. For whatever reasons, and I've yet to explore this still, I am a huge Duke Nukem fan. And in Duke Nukem 3D, this was back in 96, you could, or even earlier, I think, you could run up, you could go up to, you know, there were women in the game, but the only place the women were in the game were in a strip club. Mm-hmm. And you could go up to them and you could hand them money. And you could say, shake them, baby. You know, Duke would do, shake them, baby. And then they would open up their, you know, open up the the top they had on. Now they still have tassels that couldn't show nipples in the game, Mm. whatever. Wouldn't that be great if that just worked that way? You just go up to a woman, you hand her money, and she shows you. Yeah, she just shows. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mardi Gras, it's not money, but it's a lay, right? Or or what is it? What's that thing around the. Oh, the beads. The beads. Yeah. They wear the beaded necklace. And that yeah. just, just, it seems like it really depicts a very like simplistic interaction that like maybe someone who doesn't have much experience like dealing with people or dealing with women might believe that's just kind of how it works if they see that a lot. But is it, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, right? Because is it, are the video games that way because there are people programming them who actually view women that way? Or is it, are the video Sorry, or are people viewing women that way because the video games have taught them at a very early age to do that? I don't think the video games did it because it's very it's that's a really new phenomenon in video games. Mm-hmm. Um, now, someone's going to write in and say, what about Custer's Revenge? OK, yes, there is a game called Custer's Revenge that came out way back for the Atari. And if you beat the game, Custer is fucking Pocahontas. Oh, Wow. Okay, because he got his revenge on, you know, on the Native Americans. Horrendous. That's, yeah, all kinds but, of wrong. <laughs> but how many, how many people besides me know that? You, you know what I mean? That's my point, is that people will say, well, but there's this. I'm like, yeah, okay, because you, cause other people know about this. Because that is, like, the entire society. It was on CNN yesterday. Holy shit, Custer's Revenge has ruined the world. No, nobody knew. <laughs> nobody no, had a nobody, clue nobody you know knew. i mean duke nukem sure you maybe you could make a case but it's just not so it's so rare uh in video games but i, I want to read on a little bit more and yeah, then i want to address more of what you're saying uh furthermore repeated exposure to this kind of media can have real world effects on players citing recent academic research sarkeesian says that after long-term exposure to hypersexualized images people of all genders tend to be more tolerant of the sexual harassment of women and more readily accepting of rape myths hmm i, I yeah, I kind of believe that. I mean, if you think about violence, like when people watch violent movies, they often kind of get desensitized to it. Yeah, that may be the case, but I, I don't know. I don't know how accurate that is. Mm-hmm. You don't think it's true with um, sexual that people are more tolerant of sexual harassment if they n- see. This no, stuff? what what I think is, is that what, what the brain sees on the screen, they know it's on the screen. I think I think people, most people know that that's really not real 
Okay, mm-hmm. now someone might bring up Slenderman and how girls are killing other girls or attempting to kill other girls because of a Slenderman website. Mm. Okay, or people may say, well, but games are, video- are more interactive and so you're actually doing it. And if you do it in the mind, you do it in the body, whatever. Well, um, adults can know it's pretend, but like at a certain age, you know, who who actually is playing these, quote, misogynistic video well, games, right? Like, are they 12 years old or are they 22? Okay, I mean, may, maybe a case can be made for it, but the thing is, is that I know, I guarantee, I know guys who've watched Rambo movies, who grew clearly grew up in the 80s, I've known guys that, you know, and when 80s was like action movie city, so it was, you know, the bulk of the 90s, and when they killed somebody, they they, they were not desensitized. Mm-hmm. Um, they felt it. You know, they they yeah. they realize what they were doing. Now, I'm not really talking about actual k- people killing other people mm-hmm. after seeing violent movies or whatever. I'm talking about uh, the average everyday person who's like not in the military, you mm-hmm. know, who who just watches violence on TV and then sees maybe a, a report of a violent happening in their neighborhood or something happens to to them or to someone they know or just little acts of violence, like someone kind of smacking someone else. They're just like, eh, whatever, you know, it's just a little. Yeah, I no guess. Deal. I guess maybe. Yeah. Okay. I think you might have a case there. Uh-huh. Yep. I, I think that might be accurate, or at least that. Um, yeah. Maybe. But then that's like saying that porn somehow. I mean, porn can if you base your sex life upon porn, upon mm-hmm. the average porn. Okay. Uh, yeah, your sex life isn't going to be that wonderful because no one actually does that stuff. It's all. It's a production. Well, I mean, especially for younger people, like I think, yeah, I I hate that I'm making this argument because I'm not trying to say that young people don't have judgment or that they're they're not capable of um, understanding reality from uh, fiction or, or what's on a screen. Mm-hmm. But if you look at college sex, where most people have kind of grown up in this world of porn to educate them about sex because nobody else will talk about it, and so that's the only place they can get their information. Like people have these beliefs uh, that are college age that are are like based on porn that like, you know, women are supposed to come just like as soon as the dick goes in them. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're just, oh, my God, it's a huge dick. Yeah. Yay, I'm, I'm so yeah. happy. And then like nobody's supposed to have pubes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Oh, sure. And like, uh, yeah. Just, but you and see, women should do anal on the first okay. date, you know. Like, <laughs> right. Right. But you, but you're actually you're you're hitting at for me what is the real problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, is that the parent doesn't have an issue or that the parent isn't being the steward, perhaps that they should be and educating the kid, you know, or whatever. Um, Or that there's another case of fantasy because the parent believes if they just put their fingers in their ear and just, oh, no, 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 nobody's talking about sex here, la, 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 that their kid won't find out about it. But they do because they seek out porn. Right. Or, you know, the the parent, uh, you know, engages in violent acts or whatever yeah so my point is i think you might be right i think you're making a pretty good case that yes seeing these things can desensitize you to them but it they pale in comparison to the action or inaction of parents and adult figures in a child's life yeah because i mean really, by, by orders of magnitude yeah because really your parents are a movie that's playing 24 hours a day seven days and a they're week, real and they're real and they're real people right yeah, I you're absolutely right. But people do absorb what's in their environment. They absorb sure. ideas and beliefs and scripts from their environment. And so whether that comes from movies or TV or video games or from their parents and the people they interact with, 
you know, that's that's going to be important to what they believe, you know? Right. But I mean, then it becomes, okay, is the idea of women, because again, I don't think that the, that video games themselves are what's teaching society. This is how you treat women. I would far more think what what teaches, you know, what what creates this idea that women must follow exist to follow your every whim is when dad says to mommy. Hey, go cook this. Hey, go do this. And she says, yes, dear, or whatever. And, you know, just does everything that he says. Mm -hmm. That's far more of an impression on a child or on a young person, whatever, to say that, ah, yes, women are here to do my bidding. Mm. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, but what about when mom says to dad, hey, go get me this from the store? And he says, yes, honey. Well, that's the pussification of America right there. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) ridiculous anyway yeah, yeah but no i, I, I don't mean, know it's not that simple you know like no it's we're, not we're seeing all kinds of messages i mean i i would say like i never actually saw adults in my life like i never actually saw adults adult women mm-hmm. uh like kind of just sexually pleasing men and kind of throwing themselves on the gauntlet to just do whatever the men man desires and he's like calling all the shots i never saw overt examples of that because i didn't really see adults interacting in a sexual way really right but what i did see was a lot of um well it doesn't have to be sexual to be submissive that's that's what i'm saying i saw a lot of messages that said women are supposed to be nice they're not supposed to hurt anyone's feelings they're supposed to be responsible for the feelings of other people so if someone else has hurt feelings like if they get rejected Mm -hmm. um you're supposed to make them feel better And when you start to introduce sex into the picture, how does that take shape? Well, it's your if the man gets butt hurt because he's got a boner and he didn't get a BJ or, you know, whatever, he didn't get fucked, then you're supposed to it's your job to make him feel better. Yeah. You know, and so you get the messages even if you don't see it in the exact same form. Yeah. So I want to be clear here. There's a couple of points I want to make here that I want to be perfectly clear on is that I'm not blaming men for anything right now. I'm blaming social institutions, okay? I'm not blaming men at all. Mm-hmm. Not for one stick, okay? Oh, me neither. Um, and so, but my second point I want to make is that, yes, I'm fully well aware, because I, I have new listeners all the time, and I, and I love you guys uh, and gals. And, you know, I'm fully well aware that there are plenty of games where there are incredibly strong female characters, Okay, and that they're not there necessarily for sexual enjoyment or for domineering or whatever. Okay, I mean, there's, you know, Lara Croft and Tomb Raider. There's Sam Saran. Um, But there is a real problem. I think it's fair. There is a real problem with the way women are treated in video games. Not not necessarily. Maybe maybe it's not even an issue so much often like it like they're talking about with sex workers in video games. But maybe. It's in their very lack of existence. Maybe it's very much in the fact that in Mortal Kombat, you only have two women to choose from and you got 30 guys, you know, to choose from. Maybe it's from now. This is a recent story too. the new Assassin's Creed game that's coming out in the co-op mode where you're actually interacting with other human beings, which is a lot of fun. OK, in the co-op mode or in the, you know, in the multiplayer mode, they said, nope, we're not going to design women. We didn't, you know, to that playable characters because you can create your own character. We're not going to put women in that. Now, in the main game, they're still there. But for the co-op and multiplayer where most people spend their time these days, we're not doing it. It would just it would take too much pixels. It's not that important. 
You just told an entire gender, you're not important enough for us to spend the time and money. And I know it's expensive, okay? But, you know, are you there to appeal to gamers or are you just proving the point that you're only there to make a buck? You know what I mean? And so there is a real problem with women, how they're depicted in video games all the way around, sometimes in how they're presented or in the very fact that they're not presented in that way. Now, there's a type of game that we're actually going to kind of talk about because I had mentioned that, you know, there's not a whole lot of games that actually have porn within them, you know, or like that, you know, there's not a lot of sex in them at all. Uh, but in actuality, there's an entire series of games that most people have no idea about, um, because it only exists on PC and the average gamer is, you know, is a console gamer. Did you ever own a console? Of any kind? No. Never, never No, did. just went to friend. Well, does Game Boy count as a console? Yeah, it's a handheld, so it's kind of different, but you had a Game Boy. That's what I had. That's I didn't have had. any other type of console, yeah. So in Japan, there's this type of game called Urogi, okay? And this is, it's like a visual novel that you, you sort of play through. And in these games, I mean, you're, one of your goals is pretty much to to fuck as many women in the game as as you can find hmm. so uh and and there's there's some interesting ones admittedly uh, out there in fact there's some of the storylines now it's not always now i have to say like with all this talk of objectifying women and mm-hmm. everything like as someone who is into women myself i like the idea of being able to explore the like explore fucking women through a video game you know yeah well you know there's one one of these arogi games you might want to play uh, i don't have a copy of it unfortunately <laughs> uh-huh. not all of them get translated into english but it's called well you know what i i'm gonna save it because I, we're going to talk about arogi games during game of choice oh, so okay. sit through the break we'll be right back with more sovereign tech and we're going to talk about Real pornified video games. Hey, Brian, what's that funny sticker over your laptop webcam? I was trying to spy on you while you were in the shower, but now I can't. See, that's why I have it. And it's from EFF.org. EFF? What's that? It's the Electronic Frontier Foundation, totally donor-funded organization that fights for internet freedom, privacy. Wow, that sounds great. So EFF.org, I support internet freedom and privacy, and maybe you do too. Yeah, and you can support them with Bitcoin. The Electronic Frontier Foundation at EFF.org. You're a lucky man, Mr. Sovereign. Not many win so well at the game of chance. That's because it's not a game of chance, Natalia. It's a game of choice. <laughs> game of choice. It is time for Game of Choice, where I talk about video games that uh, went under the radar, or video ga- maybe a classic, uh, which, boy, I revealed my favorite Nintendo game of all time last week, that being Battletoads with the Dark Queen. And, oh, man. Battletoads, cool. Yeah, I loved Battletoads. So, and anyway... um. We were just talking about Arogi, which are kind of visual novel games in Japan, usually only available for PC. I thought and it was like a pastry that was filled with potatoes and... That's no? A, that's a pierogi. 
<laughs> Sorry. That was so bad. That was great. Anyway. <laughs> um, but anyway, these there's a lot of these games, and they're very hard to get over here, even though they are developed. There's only a few stores that you can grab them from. So, but, so for this week's game of choice, I actually have a website for you that you can go to to download tons of these games if you want to try Ooh. them out. Because like you even said, uh, Stephanie, that... You know, you like the idea of a game where you kind of have to, and you have to I'm talk intrigued. to them. You're yeah. intrigued, yeah. Uh, you have to talk to them, and you play through a storyline. Sometimes the storylines suck, and you know, I mean, there's. I think in some of the games there could be a degree of objectification, but some of these games, I think you might not mind. Uh, there's one called Custom Slave Fantasy. Now hold on, because this is this is the the um, you know the tagline for the game. Okay, in a world where lesbianism is forbidden. The oh my <laughs> i like this already yeah, the vampire nano sought to resurrect her lover saint maiden gaia in order to do that she has to locate certain treasure hidden within or with one of the royal families in the region so this is Hot. that's the game yeah i mean lesbianism is forbidden and vampires yeah what's I mean, not to love what i know right this is this is a dream game so anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah do you think this could be like related to what we were just talking about do you think a game like this could be a safe way to kind of explore certain fantasies or yeah i mean there's still to the ch- meet certain needs i don't know yeah maybe i mean there's still the chance that this is about um you know male object objectification because males often like girl on girl action right yeah, yeah. there's different types or there's what different they used classes. To call it? hla hot lesbian action Oh, I never heard that yeah. one. <laughs> it's a wrestling thing. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's there's different like classes of um girl on girl kind of porn. Sure. It's like there's there's ones that are made for women. Right. And there's ones that are made for men. Yeah. So now you're right. So anyway, but you can go to erogidownload.com. It's E R O G E download.com. And look, most of these games you can't you can't buy anymore. Or they're out of print even. So good luck. Or they've been privately patched, uh, which used to be a popular thing in the 90s. So what's the copyright status on these? Uh, I don't think they'd fall under abandonware, Mm -hmm. but maybe to some degree they would because it's like, look, if if they're not printing out any more of these games, how the hell do you get your hands on them? What can you do? You can't get them on Steam. You can't get them on GOG. You can't get them on uh, uh, Desura or, you know, Indie Royal. Take your pick. Uh, You know, so what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a case I brought up a long time ago on Sovereign Tech, where I said it's like, look, the copyright laws around the 1960s Batman uh, television series, which is insanely popular, are ridiculous. It's never going to get released. It's never going to come out. So what do you do? Not watch Batman? No, go fucking download it. <laughs> you know, go to the torrent yeah. site. There's people did that did great TV rips because it's the best thing you can get, and you go and you download it. So, but some of these games, like uh, uh, one of my my personal favorite, and it's actually one of my favorite hentai's, which we've yet to watch, Stephanie. Though I offered we're the gonna other have to night. fix that. I said you want to watch some crazy. Does it hentai? have tentacles? Yeah, uh, there's some. Yeah, no, actually, it's Bible Black, and I don't think there's a whole lot of tentacle action in that. So, anyway. I'll reserve judgment yeah, until we yeah, watch you'll, it. <laughs> you'll have to see it. So, um, but Bible Black is this very esoteric story, you know, in a high school. And oh, everything. no it's wonder you like it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it started off. It started off as a game, as an erogi, and there's actually a sequel for it too. I think it was called Bible Black Infestation. And I mean, good luck finding these things. But erogidownload.com has both of them. 
So, and of course, the link is in the show notes. You can go to the show notes at SovereignTech.com to check it out. But, I mean, you know, you can email me and tell me what you think about him. And I will definitely talk about it during important emails. So, uh, but during the break, I think Stephanie and I will have to play these. And, uh, <laughs> and she can give her a review. No, that won't be for right now, but maybe in the future. Can, All right. Yeah, we'll check them out. Game on. <laughs> they can be a little boring because you have to sit through so many words. Like, the better than porn because there's a story. Sometimes. We'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. Time now for 90 Seconds on Sex with Dr. Paul. Pre-cum is a clear, slippery, viscous fluid that starts dripping out the end of a penis when a guy is sexually aroused. Sometimes just a little comes out, other times it flows, which can get messy if you have an erection during class or while at work. Now, pre-cum is produced by two small glands that are the size of peas. They're located near the prostate gland. Now, aside from providing lubrication for intercourse or for jerking off, pre-cum helps counteract the acidity in your urethra and in a partner's vagina because sperm don't like acid. Until recently, a few small studies had shown that pre-cum didn't have any sperm in it. As a result, some people were saying that withdrawal, or pulling out before you ejaculate, is almost as good a method of birth control as using condoms, something that I never agreed with. But a recent study has found that more than a third of the men who tested did have sperm in their pre-cum. Fortunately, it was only a couple of million sperm, which isn't a lot when it comes to getting a woman pregnant, but still, it only takes one sperm to make you a parent. So while withdrawal is way better than using nothing, if it's the only method of birth control you used, I'd strongly advise that you contact Planned Parenthood or a healthcare provider about the advisability of also using emergency contraception. For more, visit 90secondsonsex.com. You are quite the man, Mr. Sovereign. Are you busy tonight? Natalia, if you'll excuse me, I uh, just received a very important email. Later then, Mr. Sovereign. Important oh, email. <laughs> Natalia, I, yes. I, like I said before, I have nothing going on tonight. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Come over to my hotel room. No, no, I rented the whole top of the Marriott. Let's go up there. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I get off work at midnight. <laughs> I'd be right there. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> so, um, you went away for a minute during uh, uh, Dr. Paul's uh, little bit, and he talked about how pulling out, how they actually found there was popularly believed that pre-cum did not have any sperm in it. But recent studies actually show that pre-cum does have sperm in it. See, I always learned that it does have sperm in it. Okay. And well, so, therefore, pull-out is not yeah, yeah, he, uh, protective right, against he, pregnancy. Exactly. He just warned about that, saying, hey, it's better than nothing, but don't count on it. And if that's if that was your method, you get in touch with Planned Parenthood you know, the <laughs> next day. So, But anyway, I, I, I concur. Pulling out, probably not enough. Um, anyway, <laughs> so... Um, it's time for important email, of course, which means when you email SovereignTech at RiseUp.net or you get in touch with me through BitMessage or RetroShare or Twitter, whatever you happen to use, you know, that's cool. 
Um, and we've got like three questions to get through, Stephanie. So I want to try and, I mean, we've got some time, but I want to try and knock them out. Um, and one of them is about it. the last time you were on the show, we were talking about jealousy in polyamorous relationships. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, and I never got to what what I thought about jealousy. Yes, I've been curious for the entire two weeks. Yeah, and I, I've kind of talked to you about this before, um, and so I'll just touch on this very quickly. But I think where jealousy comes from, because I mentioned at that moment that I don't think in polyamorous relationships, which of course means relationships of, with more than two people, that two women going out, you know, like it, say it was a three, say it was a three-way yeah. um, relationship. Two women and one guy, there's not an issue. Is it a V or a triangle? Cause, and what that means is if it's a V, it might be a man and two straight women right. who are both going out with the man but not going out with each other. Right. If it's a triangle, then they're all doing it with each other. Let's say both. Okay. okay. Uh, if that were the case, then then I don't think that any jealousy comes into play, generally. Especially, and I don't think it really comes from from the women in the situation either. Mm -hmm. But if you switch that up to two guys and one woman, Mm. I think a lot of jealousy comes into play. And where I think that comes from, and this dovetails nicely with what we've been talking about this whole, quite a good chunk of the show, is that, you know, that idea that women are there to, for your, for a man's pleasure. Mm. And that men will often see, consciously or, or unconsciously, will see women as to a degree of property mm-hmm. i think and because you know and if if you just get over that that idea that she's not there to please you she could be there to please a lot of people i think you would you know that jealousy would would kind of go away but it's yeah, i think i agree with you about that actually and mm-hmm. it, i hate i i hate to say that because i feel like i'm generalizing or stereotyping yeah no, but, this isn't true for all men yeah but I'm just saying, but I am definitely generalizing. Yeah, but like, why is it that it seems like there are lots of arrangements where it's like one man, two or more women, and the women are like friends and gal pals with each other, and Mm -hmm. they like are really excited, or maybe they have sex with each other or love each other too, and they're very cooperative, but um, there's, it seems like there might be a little more likelihood to be this competitive dynamic between two guys who are dating the same woman, but not each other. It's societally enforced from, from seeing a football game at two years old to who knows what, Mm. you know, this competitive edge and all this stuff when, when it's just not, it's really not quote unquote natural, uh, you know, it's there, it's, it's ever present. And, you know, how do you stop it? How do you avoid from it? I mean, it's even, you know, like with the whole peaceful parenting thing um, that people talk about, and that's supposed to raise this like higher being. Uh, how do you how do you raise kids without seeing, you know, domination structures from culture? You know, you're going to have to you're going to have to run to the woods and raise your children there. You can't have a TV. Just give There's them to no, the wolves. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, I I think that's really it, is that you just have to stop seeing women in that way, or at least take a look at yourself and see, really, how do you how do you really envisage women, you know, in their roles? Yeah. And how do you envision how to if you're in that arrangement and you're one of the guys, Mm -hmm. how do you envisage other guys? Because are are they are you looking at them as your competition or are you looking at them as a potential friend and a potential wonderful uh, mate and and ally? Yeah. And this is this is a big part of it. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to get this out. This is a big part of it is that if. You know, if I'm if I'm going out with a woman 
okay and this other guy gets with this woman you know it's, it's, i mean say she's just having fun whatever that other guy is going to think if he you know if he knows that i'm the boyfriend or whatever that other guy is going to think well he must not be delivering the goods <laughs> he must not be bringing home the bacon he must not be you know he must not be enough he must have a small dick or something like that i mean who knows what okay that they think but there's this instant competition and i think that's an issue that's part of that whole property thing or that part of the whole thing of you know that the woman's there for the pleasure and all that stuff uh and so yeah i think people need to contemplate that you know because there is there's just and i can tell if a guy thinks that way or not i i really feel that i can like just look at a guy and i can tell if, if that's the way he would feel about this sort of thing mm. you know um, a good indication is like how does he interact with you is he friendly sure or is he kind of mean and snarky right. you know <laughs> well i mean but just look at society it's so commonplace where you know if a, if a woman has an affair say it's a marriage okay which of course i don't you know necessarily endorse marriage it's fine if you're married okay um i don't you know i, I don't necessarily endorse marriage um but if if a woman has an affair what's the first thing the guy thinks I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't enough. I wasn't satisfying her. Right. And so, I mean, what, what do you, you know, take that to heart instead of you thinking that, oh, maybe she just wanted, you know, a little diversity and a little more fun. That doesn't mean you're not satisfying her. It just means that's the thing. You got to start, get the idea of better. There's a, there's a, there's a really thick line. It's not a fine line between better and different. Mm. Okay. And just accept that it's not about being better it's just different i mean maybe sometimes it's about better but by and large it's easy to imagine that when like if you put the shoe on the other foot and you mm -hmm. think about you being the person who might want more than one relationship right like you might love one woman but you might sometimes want some something different you know somebody different sure you might want just have a need for novelty you know and, yeah, and that's people, okay people can acknowledge it when that's what they want but for someone else to want that it's a little harder for them to empathize with the other person's want right do you know what you know what i'm saying yeah Does that makes sense yeah absolutely so you know th these are these are thoughts to ponder on that matter but that's where i think the core of jealousy comes from uh is a lot of you know how a woman is viewed uh and really how, how men are kind of forced to view themselves because it's like they're in a competition to i gotta be the best I got to be the alpha male. Otherwise, she's going to leave me, and all, you know, and all this crap. And, and that's just that that attitude is just so off base. Um, anyway, it, though, it can be fun to, to maybe role play those kinds of things or whatever. I'm not saying that that doesn't occur. Um, and it's certainly it's nice to know that 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 a woman thinks you're incredibly special or whatever. All that's great. Anyway, moving on. Um, we might not get to all three questions that I wanted to get to, but this next question I want to get to is that uh, an emailer asked uh, one of my beloved e uh, emailers that's listeners that's not in the United States. The bulk of my listenership is, and that's okay, but I have plenty that are not, and that's great. And he asked, you know, I, I don't like the idea of harming, of killing another human being. What are your thoughts on non-lethal weaponry? Okay. Oh, that's a great question. Because I want to defend myself, you know, but but I don't I'm not OK with killing people. I am so I felt so good when I when I 
read that email. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So my, my thoughts on, on non-lethal weapons, actually, Stephanie, I'd like to hear yours first. Or, my thoughts on non-lethal weapons. Yeah. I mean, is like, do you have a recommendation? Do you have a thought on that? Yeah. Well, some of the things that I've looked into are just, um, like tactical flashlights, yeah. especially ones that have pepper spray in them. Yep. You know, that could potentially stop an, a bear if you really needed it. Right. Or mace, you know, for a bear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, it, now, see, now that's the thing. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you say that, because if you're in Alaska, look, own a gun, you know, because you've got huge animals that are out to get you. But, you know, know that that's what the gun's for. I, I mean, and yeah. also, you know, people that are defending against bear and, and who knows what, you know, what other kind of animal, they're not carrying AR-15s. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> You know, they're they're carrying, you know, like man stoppers, you know, in a 45 or whatever. I mean, all, all kinds of different business for that. Yeah. So I like I like tactical flashlights for people, too. I, you know, just heard good things about them. Yeah. Also, um, you know, there's some stun, stun guns and tasers and stuff that you could carry, yep. although those might be difficult to maneuver. One tactic I really like for non-lethal weaponry is just prevention as much as possible. Like, um, it's it's really difficult to foresee when you would be in a situation like this, but just minimizing conflicts with people, um, being with a buddy when you go places, not not being alone, and right. just kind of doing your best to remove yourself from situations where you might encounter somebody who's an attacker, right? Sure. Yeah, I, I love the I, the I, I think you raise great points. Uh, absolutely. Not that it's I'm not saying it's the victim's fault or blaming nope. the victim in any way. Uh, just saying that, you know, there are potentially things you could do to increase your safety a little bit without ever having to think about lifting up a weapon. Right. Yeah. Uh, the flashlight, I think, is a great thing to bring up because a flashlight. I mean, most most people that teach self-defense will tell you the impressive power of having a flashlight. Um, they have what's called tactical flashlights where it's this really bright light. Now, obviously it's not going to have the greatest battery life because this is an intensely bright light. Uh, and it will even have like a ribbing, uh, around the, you know, the, the, uh, the edge of the lens. And that is designed to where you can pop it against somebody's eye, you know, yeah, and the, shine the whole, it in their face. Yeah. The whole point confused. is to blind the person so you can get away. Yeah. Okay. So f- tactical flashlight or flashlight is uh, yeah, that, that tops my list. And then again, like that's the goal. The goal is to remove yourself from the situation to get away. Yeah. Get away. Get away. Um, you know, because like I said in the last episode of Sovereign Tech, I, I don't, you know, and, and you can disagree with this, Stephanie, but I, I don't think I don't think any other human being can really gauge another human being's value, you know, and people will say, well, as soon as he pulls the gun on me, he's already decided that my value is less than his. So I need to do something about it. And it just seems I, I get the argument but it feels so weak to think that the only answer is to blow his brains out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know that I, I don't really like the, well, you can't know someone's value argument because it can mm-hmm. easily be turned around and say, well, what if you're killing Hitler or what, you know, that people always go to that. Yeah. But that's, but that gets crazy because this is what people do all the time. Well, what if your wife's getting raped? And it's like, oh yeah, because the world's just full of rapists, you know, and, and it's not, I mean, how, like there's 
There's maybe what? Well, they're t- when they say that, though, they're trying to give you an emotional example to try right. to get you to provoke you into agreeing with them. Right. And and it's sad when people go to that because then they're not making an argument. Then they're just trying to pull at the heartstrings or whatever. Yeah. And it's crazy because they're trying to give you the statistics. Well, look, you know, when there's a bunch of guns in a state, those statistics hold up and 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 there's less crime there or whatever even though there's been studies that those statistics aren't no, accurate but then bullshit. okay fine if we're going to play a statistical game let's talk about the statistics of rape and these same exact people will tell you that rape cases are bullshit so which truth is it if you're going to pull statistics on me i'll pull your own statistics on you and rape doesn't occur <laughs> okay and i'm not saying that, that i think rape does but it certainly doesn't happen in the amount of numbers to where everybody just needs to start carrying around AR-15s and 9mm Berettas. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I got off topic. Yeah. I was just saying, I don't know if I like the the whole, like, well, you can't know the value of someone's life mm-hmm. idea. What you can do is you can say, I'm someone who values human life. Right. And especially starting with the fact that I value my own life because right. I have self-esteem and I want to live and I want to do a lot of things and see life. And so I'm just going to apply that principle universally and value human life and say that I'm making a decision, drawing a line in the sand that I wouldn't be comfortable taking a human's life. So I'm going to gear my activities around avoiding ever doing that. Yeah. You're going to be the change you want to see in the world. Um and so the the other thing about, uh, you know, maybe hanging out in groups or whatever, uh, I think that that's a good idea. I don't think it's discussed enough just how, you know, damaging that modern city life can be to a person's health. You know, I mean, the, these like the whole, you know, living in a city, especially if you lived out in the country for a while and then you go to a big city, like there's just this general agitation that that occurs um i i i don't know that 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 doesn't get covered enough when you're trying to look at root causes of why these things even why these violent acts even occur well yeah i i agree that that's important you know if you look at animals and we are a type of animal not Mm -hmm. to say that we're rats or anything but if you put rats together in a cage that's too small they fight and they get aggressive and they get sick and sad and depressed but if you give them a lot of space and entertainment and stuff to do and uh, stimulation, then they're happy and they don't fight and they cooperate. Right. And like that, there's something to be said for that. Humans are social creatures and they, they do want to interact with other humans, but they also need their personal space and cities. I don't think necessarily provide that. Sure. Uh, in for everybody, you know, and people have different needs for personal space. But um, if you go to New York city sometime, you'll feel like you're, kind of packed in a sardine can there's just not it feels like there's scarcity and that's when people start to fight you know when they feel like there's not enough for me i have to make sure that i have enough by taking someone else's because there's not enough to go around right yeah so you know i think that's important to keep in mind um but the you know the main thing that i recommend to people and you have to understand that let's say you're going to choose a gun as your weapon of self-defense I recommend that you take months worth of courses on how to handle the gun, fire the gun, clean the gun, take care of the gun, you know, get get all that in your head and, you know, down to almost an instinct. Okay, Um, so I'm telling you that for your own safety, 
not even the safety of the person that you would, or not yeah. even for who you'd use it against, but for your own safety and safety of innocent bystanders, I'm telling you to take months of courses for guns. Okay. I agree with the that. military takes, they try to do and it practice as quick. Yeah. Practice regularly. It takes time. And what I'm saying to you is, is that you can learn in that same amount of time, you can learn self-defense arts. Okay. That are non-lethal. And one of my personal favorites that I recommend all the time is Krav Maga. Okay, that's K-R-A-V-M-A-G-A. And this was specifically designed by the IDF to disarm and to keep other innocent bystanders from dying. And is designed, don't, don't take Taekwondo, don't take Kung Fu, don't take any of that bullshit. Okay, because that's designed for a world that we don't live in anymore. And it's designed for, frankly, people of a different, uh, you know, different stature. Okay, Um, you know, nobody's going around or yes, some people are going around with swords. Okay, but nobody's going around with swords anymore. And these are designed to take on people carrying swords and shields and all this stuff. You need something. You want something that is designed to handle guns and small knives because that that, you know, that that's what's used today. Krav Maga, as far as I know, is one of the only self-defense techniques out there fully developed that is designed for that and is also designed to keep innocent bystanders from getting hurt and to incapacitate the attacker, not kill the attacker. And people will say, well, it takes me months to learn that. Yes, but if you want to use a gun, if you're not going to take that serious enough to where you take months to learn how to fire and handle the thing, then I'm I'm far more scared of you yeah. than any crook. Because at least a crook has some experience. You know what I mean? I'm terrified of you if you don't want to take months to learn how to handle a gun. This is not a joke. So in that same amount of time, you could learn something like Krav, okay? And you could really have the confidence that you can handle yourself no matter what situation you're in, even if you're sitting in a seat in an airplane. So that's my recommendation. How do you feel about that stuff? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, right on. Okay, we'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. Hey, look! Got an energy spike. Hold on! Launch. No! Bombing the Narn back to the Stone Age wasn't enough for you. Then we heard it. The sound of something terrible being born. This is mad. Station 3 to Commander Ivanova. Centauri have launched a full-scale assault. Time is coming on! It's our turn now! Two million tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night. A world where empires rise and fall, where dreams are born and die, where war and hatred are challenged by love and faith. In the third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace, for victory, for freedom. It is Babylon 5. Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history. Babylon 5. Agent Sovereign, go to this webpage and follow. What kind of webpage is this? Is that Natalia? I better go to the website of the week. It is time for Website of the Week, where I cover a website that I find interesting, useful, sometimes terrible. But this falls under the useful. And Stephanie, you know, I got to ask you, do you like objectivism? 
Do I like it? Yeah. Well, it simply is. A is A. It's, <laughs> a is I can't a. deny the universal truth of it, objective reality. Existence exists, right? Anyway. <laughs> yes, I do yeah. like objectivism. Uh, I, you like it the, with a small O, right? Yeah, I guess if you mean like... Ex- I like objectivism, but I I don't think Ayn Rand uh, went far enough in um, you know rejecting the state. I think that yeah. we don't need the cops and courts and like the worst stuff about the state. Basically, the military cops and things right. like that, which she thought we needed. Uh, but other than that, I love the philosophy. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's this is a for those that don't know. I mean, objectivism is the philosophy essentially of Ayn Rand. Um, and there's a capital O objectivism and then there's a, a you know, a small O objectivism. And I think a lot of anarchists are really small O objectivists, you know, or yeah, at least a labels, few labels here. Yeah, are, labels, whatever. What's the difference between the big O and small O? Well, the big the small O is usually someone that's actually an anarchist. The big O is that, nope, we don't go anarchy. We don't go full anarchy. Yeah, that's like uh Leonard Peikoff, right? Leonard Peikoff, his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even uh, Yvonne, Yvonne, Yvonne Brooks. Brooke, Yuron yeah. Brooks, yeah. Uranus. Uh, Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now, so you like objectivism. Do you like paleo? You know, like eating paleo. Absolutely. Paleo lifestyle. Absolutely. Give me some bacon. Right. So <laughs> then I, I have... Bacon. That was the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have some... I have the website for you. And this is oh modernpaleo.com. Ooh. Yeah, and this is a blog. And it's uh, by Diana Hesla. I think I got her name right. Anyway, she made this in 2010, so she was in the paleo movement really, really early. Yeah. Um, and she, after two years, and, and so, the, so actually in 2008, she started eating paleo. After two years of that, she says, like, look, I want to do a blog. And she wanted to combine objectivism with paleo. So the philosophy, cool. yeah, absolutely. Um and I think that's really cool. They're two very interesting things to kind of put together. And uh, and I think that that creates for an interesting perspective because a lot of, you know, I got to admit, some of the paleo books out there can get a little woo because they start talking about spirituality and they start talking about like maybe even going back to, you know, I, I like the idea. And we're going to talk about this more during the climax. I like the idea of uh, looking into our paleolithic roots. But the idea of going back to animism, no. Who, who says that in the paleo world? I, I think I, Mark Sisson talks about spirituality being very important. Oh, man. See, I guess I haven't been reading him lately. Yeah. But most of the people that I follow in the paleo sphere are very scientific sure. and grounded in rationality. Sure. And that's not to say Mark Sisson isn't grounded in, in science, science, you mm-hmm. know, but I mean, he definitely he he. There, there's plenty of people out there. He's just the biggest name I could think of off mm. the top of my head. What, that, what is animism? Uh, animism is the belief. Uh, it's almost like the force that there's kind of life in everything. Uh, like even the rock is alive, and you know, and, and all yeah. this stuff. Um, a lot of people attribute. I had a pet rock once. It died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a, a lot of people attribute animism as being the first religion. I, I don't think so, and I, I only say that because I can see where where a paleolithic human would attribute um, life to just about everything. You know, the grass grows. It, you know, so well, it, grass is alive. Gra- grass is like kind of alive, right? Yeah. And I mean, and I think it's even up to debate whether or not animism, I mean, animism is kind of something that, that, ha- you know, 
ancient languages might have had a hard time just describing because there's not a lot of differentiating terms there's not a lot of adjectives so they may not have no you know they may not have actually been believe, even believing that rocks were alive mm-hmm. that's sort of a modern interpretation that we put onto them yeah um so you know but so i i can see how animism kind of you know would 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 be thought of but i don't know how you'd believe in a sky daddy i don't know where that possibly came from um i don't really see any evidence that the that that paleolithic people believed in a sky daddy so putting together objectivism which is deeply entrenched in atheism uh you know with with paleo i think is a beautiful thing and she has you know just great because it gets into i really like the idea you know the paleolithic lifestyle and so to have that with a real consistent rationality baked in Mm. that objectivism allows for i think is really cool now i think she's a capital o objectivist uh diana is but that's okay because, I mean, there's still a lot of wonderful things to glean. That's like saying, well, I'm never going to read Atlas Shrugged because I'm an anarchist. Are you kidding? Read that thing. Man, read The Fountainhead. Awesome. And go to modernpaleo.com and check that out. Hey, everybody. It's Stephanie. I am the Sovereign Tech producer. But did you know I am also a voiceover artist? Yes, it's true. I make audiobooks, commercials for your business. I narrate explainer videos pretty much any audio project that you can think of, I'm probably willing to work on it, or I have worked on it in the past. And if you want to hear some samples of my previous work, or you want to find out a little bit more about what I do, then I encourage you to check out my voiceover website, which is smvoice.info, smvoice.info. Now back to Sovereign Tech. Who knew you could ride a bike so well? I don't know if I can get us away from that helicopter. Don't you have a gun? Oh, there's never a need for lethal force. I'll handle this. How did you do that? We'll be fine. A quick hack solves everything. Hack, sack. It is Hexec. That's right. Where we talk about hackers and security. It is a, a word that is an amalgamation. So uh, also, you know, it could mean hacker section uh, where we talk about security and we talk about the real heroes of the planet Earth hackers. And, you know, Stephanie, I just I want to I want to kind of add in a little bit to what we were talking about with non-lethal weaponry and, and theft, because that's what a lot of people are very much concerned about uh, is, you know, what if a robber comes in and tries and takes my stuff, you know, with encryption technologies which is very much what hacksec is about they don't need to know you even have any money you know if i mean mm-hmm. if, if your wallet is a brain wallet you know and you have bitcoin and that's where the, the, your large store wealth is and you're living off of that what what are they going to steal your brain <laughs> you know maybe they'll use the rubber pipe method or whatever yeah right <laughs> Which is beat it out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but how would they even know? That's the thing. If you could keep your identity anonymous, how are they going to even know you have bitcoins? They yeah, have no idea. I mean, what true. are they going to do? Just going to say, "Look, I don't have any." You know. You know, <laughs> I was just laughing because sure, I saw this article today. This almost has nothing to do with what we're talking about, okay. but it's funny. I saw this article today. It was an interview with Andreas Antonopoulos. Okay, who is my co-host on Let's Talk Bitcoin? Nice guy. Very nice. We love Andreas. Yes, we do. Um, but he's get, he gets a lot of press. Like he's really famous in the yes. Bitcoin world. And it was this article where he was interviewed and the headline was, I'm broke, but I'm happier than I've ever been. 
And I guess it was about his experience in the Bitcoin world, but it just looked like a celebrity gossip column kind of thing. And I just <laughs> chuckled funny. when I saw it. That's funny. So, but yeah, but I mean, that's the thing is, you know, a great deterrent is encryption and anonymity technologies mm -hmm. because then no one has to know what you even have. True. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. that that's that's a fact. So that's that's a just more reason to look into coding and to just being aware of how to use a lot of these technologies that people put together. You know, and also, I'm also thinking like it seems like it's it would be useful in a lot of situations to be able to maintain separate aliases or separate identities sort sure. of um, to compartmentalize different aspects of your business life or perhaps your personal life or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, like to to this group of people, they know you as whatever the golden right. stallion people yeah. who listen to sovereign tech for people who listen to sex and science hour they know you as brian or and for people who are your clients for free talk live they know you as brian the sales rep for free talk live right so you know you could kind of compartmentalize different identities and oh, that yeah. would help you keep or organized and help people identify more with your personal brand because it's i experience this problem like i have a lot of different interests and it's hard for me to brand myself as doing one simple thing right you know and so I struggle with that constantly and maybe the answer is just not to do that to just have like a bunch of different kind of versions you know that people know from sure. different worlds I don't know sure no and, and this is something I recommend all the time is that look if you're going on tour or even I2P or, or whatever you're using is but those in particular and you're especially if you're going to get illicit uh, illicit objects or illicit things from those sources you you're, you're somebody else you you just you change that your mindset whatever uh you know when i go on tour um i don't do this anymore but my my trick used to be all right i'm the green ranger <laughs> you know for power rangers that's who i am and i just act like and it's fun actually i'm the pink ranger oh boy have i got some pictures uh. that uh the sovereign tech audience would love to see i'll post it on twitter <laughs> well <laughs> the first step to uh maintaining multiple personalities and identities is like you just got to ask to join mk ultra yeah you know you just you just enroll oh boy and then it's taken care of for you you hear a little dog whistle and then your beta comes on and and there alpha my, comes on and all, all my integrity just went out the door <laughs> <laughs> you said it i didn't um okay so this isn't actually what i wanted to talk about for hacksec but this is what i do want to talk about is a very serious issue and it's something that uh, relates to we were talking about the Amazon Fire phone, and uh, and so I, I'm going to be talking about phones, and this very nicely I think hammers home because I don't want to keep talking about it, but it hammers home the point where I think people should use their computers far more than their phones because right now it's the opposite. People are relying on their phones, and I think people should wean off of that because what we found out is that the United States Senate, and believe me, this is going to affect the entire world, is now pretty much ordering and these companies are complying google and microsoft to put kill switches in their phones and in their android devices and in their windows phone devices now what is this kill switch this kill switch right now is a software uh solution that essentially if you're this is this is how the story this is how the narrative goes if your phone gets stolen you can just hit the kill switch and that phone will get bricked you know, well, Brian, that sounds pretty anymore. good. I want to protect myself against theft. You know, right. if someone gets your phone, it can be a real, um, a real pain in the ass and a problem for your identity. Sure, absolutely. Okay, and I, and I think that that's certainly true. But here's the thing: 
There's already, you can already install apps that do this. You can get Lookout for Android that does this. It doesn't have to be a law. You can just educate people into how to set this up. But this is what scares me is they're making it a law and the Senate doesn't just want that. Okay. The Senate says, no, this isn't good enough to put in a software kill switch. You need to put in a hardware kill switch. That way that device is completely dead because you know what could happen? Hackers could, could override this kill switch and that could be a real problem. Now, you know, theft of phones does occur. Okay. Uh, but how, how much does it occur in the U S alone? I have got some numbers here in the U S alone, 3.1 million mobile devices. This would include smartphones and tablets. 3.1 million mobile devices were stolen in the U S uh, in, in 2013. That is less than 1% of the population. Less than 1% of the population. The theft. And we need a law that says, we need that that we need the power to hit a kill switch. Well, Brian, if it saves just one phone. One phone, just one phone. <laughs> it's for the children. And actually, funny you mentioned children. Mm-hmm. Okay, because this is this is an idea that boy, it's just spreading. Because now there's an app out there, okay, that will allow parents to kill to put to put the kill switch on their kids devices oh i saw that coming oh yeah yeah oh yeah because so if you're bad your phone's gonna get done right fried. now the, <laughs> yeah exactly now the reason that this was devised is because well you know at the dinner table kids are just going to their devices oh and they're God, not talking seriously? to their parents yeah this is their this is their argument for seriously it. Mm-hmm. wow so don't don't like connect with your kids and try to voluntarily like help them you know feel comfortable talking to you force them by killing their phone yeah and and it's called dinner time plus okay and this allows parents to behave like according this allows parents to behave like spies when it comes to their children's viewing giving them the ability to supervise the apps their children use as well as view the apps in real time it's like you're oh my God. so kids have no privacy when this app is installed. Wow. The parents are literally acting like the NSA and people ask the question, the NSA, I can't believe they're doing this. This is so wrong. Oh, but parents can do it to their kids because they're part and parcel. Oh, but that's different, Brian. You're, yeah. Because you own your kid. Right. And I know you're being, I know you're kidding yeah. because that's the thing. This is where these attitudes come from. Okay. Isn't that just something people just, they don't like being spied on by the NSA, but they're repeating the same kind of behavior. They're pulling it on their kids. Their children. And so the kids are going to grow up thinking, oh yeah, well the NSA looking at my shit. That's just like yeah, my just parents like my did. Parents. It's okay. They're looking out for my Let me tell you, let me, yeah, let me tell you what should, what there needs to be an app out there. Okay. It should be called parent switch and the kids should be able to turn off the parents' devices. <laughs> so that no look mommy pay attention to me i'm right here yeah you know what i mean i want you to talk to me that's bullshit that the kids are oh the kids can't look away from the screen are you kidding adults can't look away from the screen and they can't look away from the screen because they're trying to distract themselves from the fact of the idea that they're one day they're going to die <laughs> you know yeah isn't that the truth so uh, this is crap this is absolute crap. People wonder where all this stuff comes from. It starts in the home. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't know how you could see it as anything but that. Yeah, and if you think that the NSA and the government isn't acting like parents and that they're not forcing, they're not forcing this because of theft. One percent of the three point one million devices. Who the fuck cares? Mm. 
You know, in fact, you know what? We have a bigger problem because in schools all across the country, pencils are getting stolen every day. <laughs> Billions of pencils every year. I can't even imagine how many pencils were stolen in 2013. And what are you, what are you going to do about that? Well, Spitballs, yeah. too. It's like, well, a pencil doesn't, you know, isn't that important. It's like, no, is theft theft or not? So anyway, <laughs> people will say, oh, it's a matter of degrees, blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. So, but this, this is a real, this is a real problem. And I think, I think it's, it's my opinion, because Apple's doing this too, just in case I know this article wasn't about Apple, but I think it's happening. It is absolutely clear. This is designed to just be able to cut off communications, you know, in, in a designated area mm-hmm. and at any people, given time. And get people to accept it. Yeah. 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 And for you to just like, oh shit, well, there's nothing I can do. The device is completely bricked. And the reason they want the hardware device is because it'd be easy enough to probably install an app. That would destroy. That would decimate. That would you know. That would that would not decimate, but would uh, make the kills the software kill switch ineffective. It's easy enough to program that stuff. You root a phone, it's done. You, you know that kills that software kill switch means nothing. Yeah. Okay. And so that's why they want a hardware switch in there so bad. The 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 software kill switch should be enough. Mm. And it's not. And that's where things get creepy. I mean, wh- what are your thoughts on this? We need made safe. Yeah. Yeah. And open source phones. Yeah. And those are coming. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great uh, option. I mean, like Ubuntu OS is out there. Firefox OS is, is coming uh, or is out there already. And there's a, the, the N900 program. There are open source phones out there. I don't know if this would affect black phone or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly we want open source phones, you know, no, no, no doubt about that. But I, I still, I really think all these systems are closing down. You know, Windows Phone isn't uh, isn't oblivious to it. Uh, Google or isn't uh, excluded from it. Google is Android isn't excluded from it. It's just getting worse. And eventually you're not going to be able to use Tor and all these other, uh, you know, anonymity uh, apps on these things if you want to keep using the latest software. Okay, so I I think people should should just get used to using their computers a whole hell of a lot more, in in my opinion. I mean, if they got a kill switch on it, guess what? When there's you know, when when Occupy is getting attacked or, you know, when Occupy is the police is coming down on Occupy. Oh, that's nice. You got all those pictures this time. Next time, kill switch. Oh, well, no pictures for you. Anyway, we'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. Hey, everybody. I really appreciate all of you that listen to Sovereign Tech. I hope you have as much fun listening to the show as I do making it. And hey, if you have a good time listening or learn something from listening, you can donate to the show. Just look in the show notes at SovereignTech.com. There you'll see uh, addresses for Bitcoin, Blackcoin, Next, Litecoin, whole slew of ways to donate to the show. And believe me, I'm not going to complain if you only send two millibits or what equates to two dollars unlike some people but you know also you can donate via paypal using the affiliate links on the left hand side of sovereigntech.com and oh yes please feel free to use those affiliate links you can also help the show by circling me on google plus following me on twitter or following sovereign tech on soundcloud anything you can do to help believe me it helps so i love all of you and thank you so much for listening now let's get back to more sovereign tech Well, looks like we made it out of the country. Good driving. Let's find some place to relax. Somewhere with a nice big bed, I think. Let me pull up an app. Sounds good to me. Software of the week. 
It is time for Software of the Week, where I cover software that sometimes it just sucks, other times it's really great, something useful or something up and coming. Um, Stephanie, you know, th- thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, this thank is, you, I, we're having a, You're having a lot of fun, I hope. I am. Awesome. So, speaking of having fun, you know, do you use uh, Tinder? No comment. No comment. Yes, yes okay. I do. I do. I yeah. use it. I <laughs> say you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. I only let it show me women. Okay. Right but on. But sometimes guys like sneak in there. Is there it's an like email address that women can get in touch with you? <laughs> at? Um, you don't have yes, to give one out. Stephanie at Let's Talk Bitcoin.com. There you go. Okay. So lovely ladies, please. Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't email me. Email Natalia. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> She'll uh, write back. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> She'll get right back to you. So, you know, Tinder, a lot of people think Tinder ha- kind of has a flaw, right? Now, I mean, when you use Tinder, are you, or you don't have to tell me, you could say, you could talk about the indefinite article or the abstract. Um, what is a person looking for when they use Tinder? Sex. <laughs> Sex? Okay. <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe they're looking to see pictures of people okay. I th- I just, are they looking for a relationship i mean is no. this the mobile version of okay cupid no no they're just okay. they just want to look and perhaps chat maybe maybe they just want to get the thrill of seeing if the person that they thought was attractive matched with them okay so but so with tinder there's a variety of things that you could possibly want to do mm-hmm. okay so twin tinder is not the uh you know is not software of the week but this app is and it's called Heavenly Sinful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been saving this one. Oh, yeah. And this is this is a dating app. It's like Tinder. But instead, this one can actually, you can put, you can actually put in your intentions. Like, this is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. There is no question about it. If you're saying, look, I, I'm, you know, I'm DTF. <laughs> All right. I'm down to fuck. And that's what you're looking for. The Heavenly Sinful app will lay that out. And then there's, there's no questions. Mm. I think that's actually it's kind of cool. I mean, I don't... Does it, like, prompt you to talk about your intention? Or yes. can you just... Okay. Yeah, because Tinder is, like, just a blank space and you right. put whatever you want. I think that's just kind of good communication or a good policy to say, hey, this is why... If you're on a dating site or some kind of online site like that, it's good right. to say why you're there. You yeah, know? absolutely. It helps yeah, other people. I, I mean, I don't know, you know, how exactly specific it gets. I guess you can choose between... You, you can like swipe up for heavenly like this person like with tinder you flip through oh it's people. like down okay so we've talked about i think we might have talked about it on the show at when it was bang with friends but bang with friends has since become an app called down which shows you your facebook friends and your friends of friends mm-hmm. and you swipe them up to say that you want to get a date with them and down to say that you want right, to fuck them but that makes it anonymous unless they match with you okay and then you're told about each other yeah all right well there's no anonymity here this is straight up Uh out in the open and i like that okay but i mean admittedly like i i've never used okcupid i i don't use dating apps at all i I, you don't need them well i I don't want to sound like i'm boasting (laughs) but i don't you know i never have i've never needed i've never in fact i don't know when i've ever really asked someone out exactly and i certainly asked someone to you know, go out to lunch or have sex or something. But I don't know when I've actually like asked a person out for a relationship, but, um, <laughs> you know, anyway, so, but this could be useful to people. And sure. I like this. I like it being out in the open. So, I like it being more honest. 
So the concept is that you say why you're there and then people openly rate you as either heavenly or sinful. Right. Okay. And as, you as can in see- you want in heavenly meaning you want to just like maybe have a nice dinner with them or you want to be a friend with them or something like that. As to where sinful saying, yeah, I, I, I want to get it on. <laughs> That's just so playing into the Christian paradigm of, oh, sure. you know, like, oh, it's it's virtuous and pious to not want sex. And then it's bad to want to. <laughs> That's bang. true. But I mean, admittedly, that that ideal has gone well beyond Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. So and maybe it's just a joke. Maybe I shouldn't take it so literally. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's something I like the idea of being able to, you know, be more direct with your intentions oh sure yeah you know i I think that's that's fantastic so i don't know i don't really again i don't totally see the point to to dating apps i i just i don't get it so but i could see where some people might find this useful and people want to check it out you know i don't know uh i've never used tinder i i actually i feel kind of crazy if you weren't on the show i wouldn't have really talked about it because Uh i just don't use these things you know, to where I feel I could even comment on them. Uh, but you know, I've actually had like a long history with dating websites and apps. Like, mm-hmm. not I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of exposing myself. I'm being vulnerable here, Brian. But mm-hmm. I was on Hot or Not. Do you remember Hot or Not? See, that- I, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think we might have talked about this on the show before. But I was on Hot or, or Not back in 2000, uh-huh. the early aughts. And it was like a site where you could rate someone as hot or not. Right. And uh, it was just fun. You know, like you might be able to meet people through a site. They'd put their email addresses in the picture and try to... Nothing superficial at all, right? (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) right. We'll be back with more of the Sovereign Tech. Heavenly Sinful. You can check it out. Maybe that's... Nope. It's good to be honest. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Oh, Natalia. Oh, oh, it feels so good. I'm so close. I know what you need. The climax. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, where'd you get that voice work? It's so good. Yeah, the voice work that whoever did that's amazing. Well, it was Natalia, obviously. Yeah, it was Natalia. You know, she's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. She's even got a little echo in her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it is time for the climax where I talk about, or in this case, the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. So, but I did choose the topic. You know, I feel bad. I usually let you choose things, you know, like I let you choose website of the week and, uh, and software of the week and all that. And I just chose it all. So oh, that's fine. I liked your choices. Okay. Yeah, all right. I cool. approve of this message. Right on. <laughs> So uh, for the climax, I actually I wanted to kind of continue the conversation that we had last time you were on, which was episode 77, mm. um, which the for some reason 30, has 33,000 downloads now, over 33,000. I was listening back to that to see what embarrassing things I said. And, oh, they were plenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe people will appreciate uh, the authenticity that we bring uh, out there. So anyway, 
we were talking about in that in that climax we were talking about what we think paleolithic living for humanity was like Mm. you know the whole the caveman what was caveman living like and um now i made sure and i'll say it again i know there's evidence that works against any of my opinions there's evidence that works against any opinions there's plenty of evidence that works towards my opinion and towards my conclusions okay but just because there's evidence that goes against it doesn't mean that you still don't make your argument you need to make your arguments okay because if, as long as you have some kind of, a, of evidence you know go ahead and make the argument it's okay um and it's exploring an idea yeah and it's exploring an idea and you don't have to agree with me either i'm not guess what i'm the one guy in the liberty movement that will not pull a gun on you <laughs> that's true i yeah. i think i might be the only one well no i'm not the only one i've had emailers now i know that that wouldn't do want to do that either so anyway, um, we talked about during that during that that initial part one, we'll say, of what life was like in the you know paleolithic paleolithic life was really like. Uh, we mentioned that they didn't stink because of you know various bacteria that actually ate away at you know the stink, and so <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make it sound more appealing, but yeah. Basically. Yeah, right, right. But I mean, they were, they were clean. They didn't smell. You know, there was nothing keeping you from getting close to somebody in the Paleolithic world. Um, and we, we talked about a couple other things. Uh, we talked about that, like, you know, the way they ate the diet allowed for them, you know, that they didn't have like bad teeth. In fact, they probably had better teeth than we have. Um, you know, I mean, you know, stuff like Weston Price's work and, and others mm-hmm. uh, that that has shown that skull five. Uh, we you know, we see that they are tremendously healthy, that they were in fantastic shape. We talked about their sex lives, that their sex lives were uh, probably pretty wild, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so we covered a lot of a lot of these things as to where, you know, and, and I didn't see how anyone how there was any evolution towards monogamy. Monogamy is OK. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. Evolution shows that, you know, when sex was happening, there was a call for more people to kind of come in. Okay, you can listen back to that episode if you want to hear more about that. So, but I want to discuss some other issues of Paleolithic life. And my my end game of that was that actually Paleolithic humans were very peaceful. Okay, that they were exceptionally peaceful and that it wasn't until the Neolithic and the introduction of agriculture that humanity became very violent and jealous uh, and a whole slew of other really negative, uh, you know, emotions or connotations or whatever. Mm. Um, and th- that's my theory. Okay. And I have some evidence to back it up, you know. Uh, yeah. What's the evidence? Uh, well, s- similar to what we were talking about. And if you listen back to episode 77, you'll see that, you know, we, we, we discussed why these things, why we believe these things. There's also books that, that discuss it. Survival of the nicest. Um, yeah, too. there's there's actually famous uh, quotes from Dorian Sagan, who is the son of Carl Sagan, mm. who said life did not, you know, did not thrive through combat. Life thrived through networking. Mm. OK, and this is, you know, coming from scientists. All right. That that networking, that cooperation is what actually allowed life to grow on planet Earth and to get where it is today. It was not through combat it was not necessarily through i think what most people consider competition okay i'm not saying competition is an ugly thing but anyway so the next kind of subject 
I just want to briefly touch on is something I, boy, I think I spent like three or four listener emails talking about, and that was the nuclear family. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because we were just talking about in HackSec, how look at the attitudes that the nuclear family has brought on where, you know, like, like look at the parallels between the nuclear family and the nuclear family means mom, dad, kids, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, no polyamory, nothing like that. Um, Doesn't it also imply that dad's sort of in charge? Yep. Yeah, that's part of it. And and so look at the parallels between what parents do and what the NSA does, what the government does. Look at the parallels between government and the, the, you know, the modern home. And I think there's plenty of it. In fact, I mentioned it before. We there is even a very honest caller into Free Talk Live who said, look, he says the government's the same thing as the family. And he was saying. He went down the list and he was being positive about it. He liked the fact that it was yeah. He was saying you have borders. You know, this is our house. Here's the borders. <laughs> That's my child. That's my citizen yeah. of this state. You have this searches. Is, yeah. I mean, he searched the room. Right. I mean, all this stuff was all the same. And he was talking about it. And again, in a positive light for mm. him. But I think it's, it's a negative. Yeah. All this crap. Yeah. Um, so. You know, the, the nuclear family, I think, is is something that wasn't a part of the Paleolithic life. And so I think a lot of the ideas of, like also we were talking about, where women are property, didn't exist. I don't think it existed because no one, you know, I don't think the idea of this is my child. Now, it may be more of like, you know, someone like part of the tribe, but no one was like claiming ownership over each other. Yeah, I think a really good place if you want to read more about this would be the book Sex at Dawn, which we've promoted and or listen to Chris Ryan's podcast. He's the author of Sex at Dawn. You know, I think like when we talk about they as in Paleolithic humans, it's Mm -hmm. it's really like just a large group of people we're talking about. We're talking about geographically spread out. Right. You know, there there have been lots of different cultures around the world. And to a certain extent, they are different regionally. Sure. Right. Like some of them are a little bit more towards the um, a little bit more buying into the idea, at least according to what's been studied of partible paternity, which means that like women didn't believe that one man was the father of their child. They right. believed that sperm from different men could kind of combine forces and would have the baby would have the best characteristics of all of them. Exactly. Yeah. So it, they would be yeah, with multiple guys. Yeah. yeah. There'd be an orgy, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I have no problem with that. And the guys believe that the baby could be partially there. So they would have an incentive to like take care of. Yeah. Them. Every the whole tribe took care of the kid. And so there was literally kids were probably rarer too. like, oh, yeah. Because yeah, if yeah. you're thinking about spreading a child out like or spreading the work of raising a child out mm-hmm. over a bunch of people. I mean, we're not talking about like everyone has a child and everyone takes care of everyone's child. We're talking about like maybe there were a couple kids in a tribe of 50 people perhaps at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and certainly, but all the same, there was just more love to go around. You know, I think that's the case Mm -hmm. as to where nowadays it's more, it's like, oh, that's not my kid. My kid, I care about my kid. I'm not so concerned about your kid. Yeah. And, And I don't think in tribal life that that was that way. It was far different, far more, you know, way more different. And with more adults, you can actually, I think you can still be an individual and do your thing because kind of everybody's sort of just, there's just this, you know, kind of tribal thought that, yeah, everybody kind of cares about everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I don't want to go much more on that because, boy, I've already talked about it a million times. 
So, and maybe I need to flesh it out a little more. Did you have something? Well, I had a thought about scarcity. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like probably in different geographical regions, there were different levels of scarcity versus abundance in the environment in terms of like food and resources. Sure. And so I think that could really affect the development of um, humanity, I guess, or human nature. Right. You know, like because, and obviously human nature, so-called, is, uh, is, plastic like if you grow up in an environment that's really stressful and scary your brain actually changes yeah, so that you're more anxious right. and more um, mean right. and if you grow up in an em- environment with lots of abundance then you tend to be kind of nicer yeah. so so we're adaptable for sure but that's why we were nomads yeah i mean and people say with chimps and bonobos like one theory is that there was some monkey and there was a river that was separating the two of them and there literally is still the congo river separates them ah okay thank yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> a little hazy on the details there. That's okay. But like on one side, everything was kind of scarce and there was more fighting. And then the other side, it was like a lot of abundance and they didn't right. they didn't learn to fight. And so then you have the chimps who are kind of warlike and the bonobos who are peaceful and sex loving. Sure. So, you know, humans could have had some of that influence too, or different groups of humans might have experienced different types of environments that shape their development, you know. And so I, but I just wonder because there's a lot of evidence that said, you know, if you're a hunter gatherer, you really only have to work like 20 hours a week to get enough food for everybody. And there's more than enough food. And actually, it's kind of an abundance of food. It's like yeah. a, a, you're walking into a forest of food all the time. And, and you can tons find... of variety because you're not doing agriculture that kills the biodiversity. Yeah. And there's tons to eat. Right. So um, I guess what I'm saying is that um, if you believe that, then you can probably make the next step to believing that humans didn't necessarily live in this environment of nasty scarcity where everybody was starving. Exactly. Even though they may have been adapted to um, to deal with starvation if it came up, but they they could have lived in a real environment of abundance. Yeah, absolutely. And to collect enough to survive, there's theories that they only had to work like 20 hours a yeah, week. Yeah, I just said that. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> it's anyway, it's like, it's boring, late. yeah. <laughs> so the other topic I wanted to get to, we probably we won't really get to spend a whole lot of time on, but I wonder if hunter languages themselves, language is so important. Yes. You know, I talk about this in, in other, other parts of the world where a lot of like the words for child and the words for wife actually entail within themselves still to this day in the modern parlance entailed the word property. And if that's not, if that doesn't affect your brain, I don't know how it couldn't, you know what I mean? That, that you are constantly hearing the word property and what you are being called. Okay. And so I wonder, you know, with these more basic, a little more primitive languages like hunter languages or whatever, if a lot of these ideas that we have of scarcity, like you said, come from our our language comes from the language itself unconsciously or subconsciously and Mm -hmm. it affects us you know that could be a chicken and egg thing did the language develop in response right but i mean like even you know the directness like we have so many ways so many of our words are just designed to dance around the fact and a lot of our really direct words nobody uses anymore you you know can you give me an example of that um Boy, yeah. Now you catch me on the pinch. Sorry. No, that's, uh, you know, like I, I read these lists where they where they list off words, uh, you know, like old words from the 30s or something. And some of these words are like super descriptive of what they're talking about. And they're so direct. And now they're gone. Hmm. You know, and 
as to where now a lot of the words might be ambiguous, but then I guess the hunter language would be ambiguous. I really wanted to talk about this more, but we won't be able to get to it. I'm sorry, so, Brian. Oh, no, no, we'll no. have to do another one again. No, yeah, right. Part three. <laughs> so, but I wonder, language is such a big deal. Um, look into NBC and see see what you think about language. Nonviolent communication. Yeah, nonviolent communication and see what you think about language being affecting people. So, anyway, Stephanie, thank you for being on, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Uh, Carpe Lucem, I'll see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the Evolution.